Welcome to Anti-MatterPod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today, we're talking about episode 14 of season 7 of Star Trek The Next Generation, Sub Rosa. <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm sure this seemed like a good idea a few weeks ago. I like how you did so much research and have all these quotes and I'm like, Beverly's hair. You know, the first the first three things I put in our outline were what, why, how, and I realized I would probably have to answer those questions. You you had to find the actual answers. I get it. Well, I don't know that I've really found the answers because in some ways my questions are how high were these people when they wrote this episode? <laughs> I mean, well, okay. How do we want it? How do we should uh, we should do a very brief remind people which episode this is. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, I mean, uh, I feel like if we say it's the one with the candle, we're probably safe as everyone will remember. But yeah, uh, uh, Beverly visits planet Scotland to bury her recently deceased grandmother. She meets her grandmother's hot young boyfriend they hook up that's not even the weirdest thing in this episode he turns out to claim he claims to be a ghost but is actually an alien and has been systematically raping all the women in her family for 800 years but in a romantic way yeah in a, in a sexy way I, yeah I, yeah. Hmm. yeah um and uh, but the, Beverly does eventually murder him, so... You, you know, know, if we get to a bit where we're talking about the good bits of this episode, because, you know, we try to be a positive podcast and that's the, the reputation we have, I do love that Beverly saves herself. Yes. But not until after she slept with her grandmother's boyfriend, who is a ghost who lives in a candle. Like, an alien ghost who lives in a candle. But... Also, I mean, setting aside how bad everything is, it also does not make sense. Nothing in this episode makes sense. Oh, not remotely. Nothing. No, I like... Ronan's entire story doesn't make sense. One of my notes here is how has Ronan managed to seduce generations of Scottish women and yet he's English? Like, my understanding <laughs> of the Scots... Is, is that they're not massive, wholehearted fans of the English. Why is Beverly's lineage 100% Scottish for 800 years? I know! Like, surely at some point, have, you know, some of her ancestors have moved around. And, and all of them... I, the whole thing with the green eyes and that... So, Ronan is made of green energy, and so after he inhabits the women... Their eyes turn green. And according to Beverly, everyone in her family, other than her mother and herself, had these amazing green eyes. And it's like, you can run a DNA test in 30 seconds. Surely someone has like looked at the family's DNA and gone, hey, it's weird how we don't actually have that gene. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just, it's 
and okay, and so let's talk about her mother who gets skipped over because she died, right? Like, I yeah. don't really know what whole Beverly's whole deal is, but she was raised by her grandmother, which means her parents are gone. According to Memory Alpha and, you know, various bits of background information that we've seen, uh, Beverly was born on Copernicus City on Luna, so the moon. She's from the moon. (laughs) And her parents died when she was very young, and that's when her grandmother raised her. That's what I remembered, too. So... So, no, we don't know what the deal is with her mum. Because in this story... Ronan's like a new like Beverly didn't know anything about Ronan. He was a new boyfriend. Yeah. For the, for, or you know, you know, we never saw this is the seventh season and, and we never saw any of this before, so we can say like she hasn't been home in at least seven years. So new is relative. But what was Ronan doing for all of the time between when Beverly's great grandmother died? And maybe her great grandmother died very recently. I guess. Like in the last seven years. In the last seven years. Which I feel like he is a ghost alien with very specific fetishes. And, you know, I I can't, I don't want to kink shame him, but he really likes his older ladies. But maybe always. Okay. So they always have. Go. But then. How come Felisa had green eyes before Ronan inhabiting her? Oh, I never thought of that. Oh my god, this is such a stupid episode. <laughs> Everything about it is bad. And then there's Beverly's name. So she's a Howard. That was her maiden name. But her grandmother's yes. name is also Howard. And so that means her parents' name was Howard. And the Ronan like talks about the Howard family this entire time. It goes back eight hundred years, so that means that Beverly is the first woman in eight hundred years to take her husband's name. She's a rebel, and her yeah. rebellion just happened to take the specific form of late twentieth century patriarchy. It's just, it's bad writing. It is truly terrible, and like. This has a story by Jerry Taylor and a script by Brandon Braga. And I think these are both perfectly competent writers. I actually like Braga's work a lot when he's doing his weird time travel shenanigans. But they're also both very into Henry James and Gothic literature in general. And I feel like that was a bad combination. And really nothing good ever comes when Star Trek tries to do Gothic stuff. Yeah, because they don't... They don't inhabit it. They don't no. use the... They just get a collection of tropes and throw it at the wall and say, look, we made a gothic romance. And it's like, no, no, mm. no. It's very pretty. One of your, your quotes here says something about the production values, and I agree, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Oh, yeah, this is a very beautiful episode. Not uh, enough to make it worth watching, but... No, but very pretty. And, like, whoever was doing the camera work and and the after effects, I don't know, but it's very soft. Like, everything, they that part of a gothic romance, they got. Oh, yeah, the... the it looks like aesthetic. a gothic romance. 
the aesthetic is perfect almost to the point of ridiculousness like you've got this relatively new colony every stone comes from a city in scotland okay i would love to see the glasgow building and if it's just where all the fighting happens but like felice's house does not look like a house of the 20 24th century yeah and honestly this is one of my pet peeves that we don't really see how architecture changes with the technology they have like i will say that they had established in the first season that her grandmother was like a traditionalist traditionalist. she she liked that stuff (laughs) yeah yeah the old but I agree that it, it's weird. And her groundsman, like, okay, first of all, the fact that she has a groundsman. I is know. Just, no, no. But then he's wearing that hat. Like, all of these people look like a Renaissance fair. Yeah. No, they're not actually old timey, but they're also, but they're like trying to be. <laughs> It's just, it's like a mass-produced Scottish village Brigadoon thing going on. Yeah, that's how it feels. This is more like Disneyland than an actual place. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah. <laughs> we should be, so I think we've sort of covered what. <laughs> we have covered what? <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to answer to why. Not one that will satisfy me. <laughs> um, so how... Why don't you read one of these quotes about how? Yes. Uh, I, got, I got all of these from Memory Alpha, which grabs them from various books. But this was a spec script that came from uh, someone outside of the writer's room, because you could do that back in those days. And I can only imagine some of the nonsense they received. But here we go. Jerry Taylor recalled, The original spec script was that there have been aliens throughout history on Earth who had possessed people and they were responsible for much of what we called supernatural paranormal events. I love this idea. The writer had the idea of the Scottish kind of origins of Beverly. Okay. (laughs) Rick and Michael, that's Rick Berman and Michael Pillar, the showrunners, were very distrustful of this story. They considered it a romance novel in space and felt the possibility for embarrassment was monumental. But I just knew it would work. It's a different kind of story for Star Trek to tell. It is a romance, but we do have women in our audience and women do traditionally respond to romantic stories. Okay, so the earnestness of this recollection is good. Yes. I agree that there are women in the audience. I agree this that is a fact. romance is not necessarily this horrible thing that we should never have. Absolutely. And women aren't the only ones who respond to romance, but, you know, whatever. Stereotypes, and, you know. Uh, the, I have to say that the possibility for embarrassment was monumental is correct. <laughs> because... Yes. Not because a romance novel is is embarrassing. Like, that's not true. No. That's a, a, a stereotype that is incorrect. But they didn't take it. Like, if that's where you're... If you're coming from a place of, we shouldn't do this because it's ew kissing stuff, then you're not... You're not doing a romance novel in space. You're doing a, a trope fest of 
the Scottish origins of Beverly in yeah. not space because they're on this ridiculous planet. I don't know. It just, like, because they don't take the idea of romance seriously. I don't even think it's that. I think that this is not a romance. This is a horror story about yeah. a serial rapist. Yeah. And they thought they, were, they thought it was a romance, and that is terrible. Yeah. And, and, like, this is one of my recurring beefs with not so much Discovery, but parts of Discovery fandom, that there's not enough recognition that what Lorca did when... Mirror Lorca, when he slept with Kat, that was a form of rape. And it's the same with Ronan, except that here the show itself isn't, you know... But they do have him, have her destroy him in the end, and she is like in the graveyard. That that scene, like Kate McFadden, really acts, yes, uh, horrified in, in the way that she should, and and full, full of rage. Yes, and that's amazing. Like, it's like but at then... least someone here, someone understood something of what they were doing, but maybe they like some people were trying to make it a romance, and other people are trying to be like. A creepy, a cre- yeah, a creepy alien story. I don't know. It's like maybe they had too many ideas, or they had too many people trying to push it in two different ways. Maybe I, think, because... I just think that the foundation was bad to begin with. <laughs> yeah, and like, yes, Beverly destroys him, but then at the end, she's talking with Deanna about how sad it is that her grandmother was so happy, and you know, Beverly will never experience that. And yeah, Beverly, no. your grandmother was. Gaslit by a gas lamp. <laughs> Literally gaslit. Like it doesn't seem like the grandmother ever knew that he was a anything that he wasn't but a, a person. human. That yeah, that he wasn't yeah. what he was presenting as. Yeah, he lied to her. And I guess there's an interesting question there: is why did he tell uh, Beverly that he was a ghost, and apparently Felisa thought he was a real person? Is it because I mean? And it's also like he's so desperate to immediately seduce Beverly. This is where I go back to. This doesn't make sense because what was he doing for however long he wasn't... Like, how did he get to the Scottish planet from wherever great-grandma Howard was? I'm... Nothing makes sense and it hurts my head. Maybe it's like how the telescope was delivered to Michael in Discovery and Felisa just received a package from her late mother and it was with a holographic message going, hi, uh, there's a candle, uh, keep it lit, it's totes great. Uh, yeah, sorry about the death, catch you later. Okay. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like anything about it. No, uh, I, and it's it's interesting. The uh, other notes I've put in here uh, are from Captain's Logs, the complete unauthorized Trek voyages. The production staff noted that fan response to the episode was split along gender lines, with men hating Subrosa and women loving it. I feel like that's fake. Yeah, <laughs> and not okay. Like, sounds fake. Not okay. Just because. I, ha- I do know of women who like this, and I do know of women who like this because it plays like a gothic romance, mm. and they like that. Um, yes. I don't know if they find it creepy or if it's 
fiction, so it's okay or whatever. I don't know. I don't know about that part. And I'm but not going to interrogate are... every Sub Rosa fan about her feelings. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I think that it's so overwrought that if you just like melodrama and don't take yeah. it too seriously, maybe it's okay. Sure. But I just, I know plenty of women who don't like it. And I find it kind of reductive to say men don't like this because they don't like romance and women love it because all women love romance. Like, that's just... Silly. No. (laughs) Well, then there's also this. Braganota the show was not popular among who he dubbed hardcore fans. I've noticed, I've come to notice, that whenever you infuse a show with sexual themes, some of these fans seem to short-circuit. So. Yeah, some of those fans. Those fans. You know, the real fans. fans, The hardcore fans. The hardcore fans, a.k.a. men. Yeah. A.k.a. the people that he wants to write for. And bless his socks, but he is a very male-gazy sort of writer. And... You infuse a show with sexual themes. I, I, I don't like the way he talks. Like I just, this whole thing is just so. I don't know what to say. I truthfully feel like, like Star Trek never handles sexuality that well, and, and so here they're trying so hard to be cool and everyone's comfortable and down with Beverly's extremely public sexual escapades and talking about her grandmother's libido in the with her captain in the corridor and telling Deanna that she's getting off on reading her grandmother's erotic diaries and it's like this is so far removed from normal experience that I feel like of course fans are going to be uh what's the word he used uh, short-circuiting? short-circuiting? Like, I short-circuit through sheer embarrassment, Squick. I just, I, I'm offended as a woman <laughs> that, that they, you know, he seems to think that they were compromising Star Trek. Yeah. To cater to this lesser audience of softcore fans and then you know sort of feel superior that it's not a well-liked episode well here is another quote that okay i'm just gonna renee echevarria recalled the cast loved it every woman on the lot who read it was coming up to brannon and patting him again sounds that fake. happened yeah Not okay yeah <laughs> like every they... woman on the set was coming up to brandon and patting him like first of all that's like a dog sexual harassment yeah <laughs> like and ew. weird and just i don't think that's true i they, they really seem to be like trying to sell this idea that like they they put out this episode and people were like, I don't, I don't get it. And so they're like, okay, we have to explain why we did this episode. And it's for the women. And all yeah. the women were so happy. And they, 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 you know, thanked us profusely on set. And 
And so it's okay if you don't like it because it wasn't for you. It was for the women. And I'm just yes. like, it was not. If this is a gift for me, I really hope you kept the receipt because, oh my gosh. But also, your point that uh, they don't do romance particularly well to begin with. Mm. That is certainly true with every love interest Beverly's had. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and, and Deanna. And Kira. Yeah. Oh, my God. Kira. <laughs> I decided just a couple of weeks ago that the only man for Major Kira is Prime Lorca. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm with that. I'm, I think the only man for Kira is a woman. But look, that's that true. Me. But I enjoy a bit of hit, and I feel like Kira might like a man with a personality for a change, but one who's also not a bucket of fascist goo. And, you know, they've both seen some shit, they can handle themselves. I like the idea of the prophets just dropping him out of the wormhole a hundred mm. years after he tried to escape the mirror universe, and, you know, depositing him at Kira's feet with a gift tag. I like that. I can see it. I, I mm. mean, just, yeah, because... You're right. Like she, me, she, her love interests are so boring, consistently dull, and it's it doesn't make sense. No, she's so dynamic. Like, was there a feeling that a man who is equally dynamic would overshadow her? I can see that being a fear in the '90s, but like, she is such a powerful character. Give her love interests who can keep up with her. Yeah. All of Janeway's love interests are terrible. Yep. Honestly, my, my, my whole theory about male love interests for female characters in Star Trek is they're either milk toast or creeps. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, this, this guy, Ronan, manages to be both, so well done him. So let's talk about Beverly's hair. It's really magnificent. It's, it's I really think... magnificent. And... It turns out that that's what attracts Ronan. He's into the redheads. The beautiful red hair of the Howard women. Again, how is this possible? <laughs> They're uh, like, like, were they all, they were just, to, like, they didn't ever go outside of their village. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think there's, there's creepy incest vibes to that whole thing, too. It's really best to not overthink it too much. And this episode was a terrible mistake on our parts. As was, you know, I watched TNG with my flatmate and I was trying to show her the very best. And she was really getting into it. So I was like, hey, 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 you want to watch the episode where Beverly fucks a ghost? And she said, okay. And fairly early on, she turns to me and says, Liz, what is happening? No, I, that, that's, I, I photocapped this episode and like the third one is like, what even is this episode? What, what is going on? It is a showcase for Gates McFadden's talent and beauty and the fact that she has really ugly dancer feet and Patrick Stewart's dignity and... There, there is a Picard Crusher subplot because yes. Ronan attacking him is what... Uh, flips the switch in Beverly where she realizes that she's gone crazy pants and yes. needs to get herself under control. Yes, so, I do love that he alone, there. Picard alone, couldn't persuade her out of this and it wasn't just a matter of talking sense into the silly woman, you know. Yes, 
Yes. Um, there's sort of a humorous subplot with Data and eventually with an assist by Jordy. Yes. They're kind of funny. I mean, Data, like, literally doing the weather. That's funny. Uh, when the fog comes on the, the bridge. Super funny. I, you know, like, there's a lot of, like, ridiculous fun in this episode. Which the seems whole... to be... Seems to be a lot of people's justification for making it. You know, ultimately, I think it was worth doing because it was campy fun and the production values were wonderful, said Renee Echevarria again. For that alone, no, where was it? Uh, it just got bigger and broader to the point of having a grandmother leaping out of the grave. Just yeah. having Beverly basically writhing al- around having an orgasm at six o'clock on family TV was great. I watched it with my family. It was not great. Yeah. Uh, for that alone, it was worth doing. We got away with murder. Yeah. Again, it's this idea of we're, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek sexy times, which is not what romance actually is. Like, no. If you read an actual romance novel, there might be sexy times in it, but but it's not tongue-in-cheek. It's earnest. No. It's, even Even romantic comedies, the good ones, take the relationship seriously. Right, exactly. Whereas this was, yeah, you calling it a horror film, I think is is correct. Mm. And it's not you. We never. He doesn't seduce her. He like literally just does stuff to make her feel good. He literally just <laughs> turns up in gas form and goes for it while she's asleep. And I'm like. This candle man has serious consent problems. So, yeah. So, basically, it's it's this story of, I guess, Beverly has been repressing her sexuality, let's say, since Odon in season... Mm, that was her last big hookup. I don't know. Yeah. That was her last big hookup that we saw, and the, the based on the episode, it's saying that was it, and she needs sex and she's willing to literally throw her entire career away i mean because of this great sex with the green energy candle guy yeah have problems i just feel like you know Riker has had episodes where his sexual shenanigans have gotten the ship or himself into trouble like look at the game but his sexuality is still not treated as a joke. Yeah, and as you say, at the end of the episode, she's sad with Deanna that, you know, oh, well, my, my grandmother was happy and, and Beverly was happy, quote-unquote, yeah. during this. And so, I don't know, it, it, I, I'm sad... I hope that there is another counselor on the ship because I feel like Beverly needs to talk to an actual mental health. <laughs> Beverly, like Deanna is a mental health practitioner, but she's clearly can't do this particular <laughs> consultation. No. And frankly, and, it's bad enough that she's already had to listen to Beverly's sex dream stories over breakfast. <laughs> Poor Deanna in this entire episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love when after Beverly like resigns and and moves to the planet abruptly, yes, <laughs> and just you know goes and Picard is like what, and the next scene is like 
Deanna and Picard staring at the wall because neither of them even know what to say. I I feel so badly for Deanna in that moment because she can't even, like, deal with her own feelings or how messed up this whole thing is because she has to make sure the captain is going to be okay. It's just, like, her job is so hard. I feel like... Aside from failing to call out the inappropriateness of Beverly reading her grandmother's erotic diaries, the grandma just put them on archive of her own like everyone else. Anyway, um, aside from that, I feel like Deanna did a pretty good job this episode. And yeah, her face was all of our faces. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So Darth Vader is in this episode. Really? I feel like it's a shout out to me. Oh, yeah. When they go to the grave site, the graveyard, Ronan is standing between two graves when he's, like, making his proclamation that, you know, I'm the only one who can love you and and you're the only one I need and we can be together and all that Again with the red flags. And uh, on one side is a gravestone marked Vader and on the other side is a gravestone marked McFly. (laughs) And... I think that's the best part of the episode. Uh, That reminds me, and this is completely off topic, so maybe I'll cut it, but maybe I won't. I was at a friend's place yesterday, a bunch of people were there, and we got to talking about Star Wars, as we do, and one of my friends was like, okay, I expressed sympathy for Anakin Skywalker as a character, and one of my friends, who is very opinionated and not very good at letting everyone else have their opinion, said, no one likes Anakin Skywalker. Yes! And I was like, I will have you know that my co-podcaster chose her new name because she loved Anakin. And then we got yelled at by our host and told that she would kick us out if we fought about Star Wars or spoiled her for the new movie. So, you know, we moved on. But, yeah. 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 Plenty of people love Anakin Skywalker. I know. But me most of all. (laughs) So I, I am also, you know, because this is my thing. I'm going to mention a story in a different uh, fandom that I feel has to do with this story, uh, but it does it way better. Okay. So, now available on Disney Plus is the (laughs) late 80s, early 90s, I'm not exactly sure, but it was part of the Disney Afternoon uh, cartoon series, Tailspin. I was a big Tailspin fan. I love Big uh, Chip Gadget shipper. That Chip and Gadget are in uh, Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers, but that's okay because they're great, and that's awesome. Oh, that's good. right. Did that have some but of the same characters, maybe? Tails? Oh, they're all related. They're all in the same universe. It's like the MCU, but it's the, you know, Disney afternoon U. Right. So, Tailspin is the one where he, so they introduced uh, Launchpad McQuack in DuckTales, and then like he has other pilot friends, and so it's mm. Blue the Bear from the Jungle Book is like a pilot, and he, uh, he I don't know, I'm not going to explain the point of Tailspin, but, but basically, there is Pilot Blue, and then there is the owner, like the the woman that actually owns his plane and she's like a small business owner and she has a daughter. She's a widow, I think. Mm. And um, so she's a single mom who owns a business and 
Blue the Bear is her, like, main guy, right? And so yep. they have a, you know, like a Picard and Crusher thing going on, right? Throughout Tailspin, it's a will they, won't they explain, you know, acknowledge their feelings for each other kind of thing, right? I and am, I have no memories of watching going, Tailspin, okay? but I know that I shipped it. Oh, so... There's this episode, and it's definitely, like, my favorite episode of Tailspin, where she falls in love with a ghost, a ghost <laughs> bear, okay? And so, she and she's, like, going to give up her entire life, you know? She's like, mm. take the plane, I don't care anymore, I'm going to give away my business, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just going to go be with this ghost now. And yep. Blue is like, but no! <laughs> and, um, and then... The only thing that works is when her daughter is like, I don't want to go live with the ghost or I don't, you know, but basically her daughter is like, mommy, I exist. And she, and it breaks the spell and she has to say goodbye to her ghost lover and go home with Baloo and Molly. But the reason it's better than Sabrosa yes. is that... The ghost isn't, you know, hasn't been haunting her entire family. Or, for like, generations. They, they, yeah, right, for generations. And is a gentleman ghost. And he just really, like, actually fell in love with her and wanted Aww. to have an actual romance. You know, it was like an actual romantic story about two people who had real feelings but couldn't be together because one of them happened to be dead. Yeah, and, which is a classic kind of gothic romance. Right, and so I, I'm like, I, you know, I don't fully remember, but I think it, it like, the, the deal was that Becky was going to have to die in order to be with him, and mm. that was, the, you know, like, she was going to go into the unknown, and it wasn't, because it's a kid's show, that it wasn't like, I'm going to go kill myself to, to be with this guy. It no, was but it was, was super dark. It past the blah, blah, blah thing, and it was going to... And then she, then she would be with him, and no one else could co go with her, including her daughter. And her daughter was mm. like, but I need you. And so there was, like, you know, Becky had the possibility of this amazing romance, but she chose to stay with her family and friends because they needed her and she loved them. And that was a better resolution. <laughs> and it was a better story, even though yes. it had the same elements. Yeah, yeah. And I think feel like it's a story that took itself seriously. Right, exactly. Everybody, like, Molly, Blue, Becky, and the ghost all had real feelings that they were putting out and, you know, showing to the other people. And, and that's yeah. what the story was based on. Whereas in Sub Rosa, Picard sort of emotes, but he's I really mean, the only one. And yeah. he's only when he's faced with the fact that Beverly is going to throw her entire life away because of great sex, and it probably he probably feels threatened or something. Yeah, probably. But I just there are no real feelings. Everything no. is based on this superficial great sex, and, and it is superficial, and and like. I generally don't consume a lot of romance because it takes a lot of character interaction to get me to care about characters. So if the idea is you meet these characters and they're instantly falling in love with someone, that's not enough. I need more setup. So 
That's so funny. I am the opposite. This I makes need, a lot of sense. People do not even need to be, like, they don't actually have to meet in order for me to be like, you know what, they oh. don't make a good couple. You know, sometimes I'm imagining the interactions. But still. But yeah, Sub Rosa just doesn't do that. Beverly's like, oh wow, this guy is hot and great at sex and he's a glowing green cloud. Yeah. I don't get, I mean, I am, I have, I am like personally more attracted to the ghost bear in the Disney cartoon than I am to the perfectly reasonably attractive Ronan. Is he though? Like because he goes he's on to like, play one of Kira's terrible boyfriends and, you know. I'm just saying he's not ugly. Like there's nothing okay, no. wrong with him. No. He is, he is definitely being a Bronte sisters novel romance guy. Yeah. Which and I am thing. not, I mean, like, again, Anakin Skywalker is like the perfect man for me. He's not that. So, <laughs> so I'm not saying that I'm attracted to him, but like I get what they're going for. He's certainly not hideous. But he is, he's an empty vessel. Like literally, he's an empty vessel. He, they, we get nothing. All no. we get is... And even these the the erotic novels, they're erotic journals. It's about right. They're not emotional. You know, exactly. does he do the dishes? <laughs> does he do the dishes? No, obviously he doesn't do the dishes. He doesn't cook. He doesn't do anything other than orgasms. I'm like, okay, yeah. if that's what you want. Uh, I just think Felisa could have done better. Like, that Ned Quinn fellow seemed like a nice guy. And he dies. It's kind of horrible. Like yeah. He, I'm not sure he comes off as a nice guy. He kind of, he comes off as kind of annoying to me. But he no, dies he and does. no one cares. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is, uh, never, it is never a thing that, hey, your ghost alien candle boyfriend killed this guy. That's kind of a problem. It's a bad thing. No one cares. No, no. They're more concerned that Beverly is hanging out with him than, you, you know, that, that he's a bad influence on her. God, why is this episode? I don't, I mean, and this, this is Beverly slash Gates's last big hurrah. She deserved so much better. It's really, I mean, she deserves so much better is pretty much... From beginning to end of Star Trek yes. The Next Generation, Gates McFadden and Beverly Crusher deserved better. But it's really sad that this is the last big moment for the, that character. And, yeah. and I'm like including the movies. She does nothing in the movies. No, like Deanna is all over the movies and it's great. And they finally figure out how funny Marina Sirtis is. But Beverly is barely in them. Now I'm just angry that she's not in Picard again. <laughs> There's room for her to come back. Like, as long okay. as she's not dead, I have hope. Okay. As long also, as there's light. Have you read the uh, new uh, comic that's just come out? That's, like, setting up Picard? No, I have not. Uh, can I spoil you? Yes, because I'm not going to read them. <laughs> okay, so it's set before the series and Picard is still in Starfleet and he's running the evacuation of Romulus and Romulan colonies and his first officer is Rafi, Michelle Hurd's character from uh, Picard. Okay, and yep, yep. Yep. 
And she addresses him as JL and is like the Federation's foremost expert on Romulans. I ship them really hard. <laughs> I know I was saying just a few episodes ago that I, I wasn't sure I was into the age gap, but I think I'm into the age gap. <laughs> You're so cute. Like, oops. It's happened. <gasps> well, I mean, I was, I was already into it, so. Yeah. Um. Fortunately, I've never been a monoshipper. For, for my characters you know they can oh, yeah. they can have whoever makes them happy yeah like i i don't believe in there's only one person for people no and my objections to sub rosa are not that beverly cheated on picard or jack which seems to be what everyone's problem with her having any relationships at all really because he's dead like yeah he's, he's like the dead. only dead person in star trek who's never come back but i mean it's not I don't, I guess they're not upset that he's cheating on him, but they're upset that she... Like, I guess the idea... To summarize random things I've seen on the internet. Mm. If she's not going to be with Picard, that means that she is devoted to her lost love. And mm -hmm. if she's devoted to her lost love, she shouldn't be... Shagging ghosts? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I feel like if he's the best one to shag in that scenario, but whatever. I, I just always... I think that there is a weird, and I don't know if it's, I, I do blame the writers for this, mm. because I don't think the fans would make it up on their own. But there is a weird, Beverly can't, love anyone because she loved Jack thing mm. which I just reject wholeheartedly the thing is I feel like Beverly rejects Picard because she is not ready for that level of a relationship and wouldn't be with anyone because Picard is a very intense guy and you know as much as I wish they had gotten together in season 7 I have to I, I think that's a really interesting choice and so it's not that she's, you know, can't move on from Jack. She has moved on from Jack. It's just that Picard is not the right guy for her yet. Uh, yes. I think that Beverly is actually very cautious. Yes. In, in all of her relationships. We, we see it with Odan too, where she's like, I can't actually deal with this. Yeah, she likes to keep things on the down low. <laughs> she's very... She likes to be in control, and she likes to have a sense of control, which are two different things. Yes. And I think that that's why Sabrosa is such a, a strange episode for her, is because it's sort of the opposite. She really loses complete control of herself and the situation very quickly. Yeah, and, and it's that's not... interesting. And I wish that, like, that was the first half of the episode, and then the second half of the episode was Beverly gets about control it. yeah yeah does yeah. something about it yeah and maybe it ends think... with her going to Picard and being like hey actually I do want to have a relationship with you I, that's what I figured out like there's so many ways this could be better is I guess what I'm saying if you take oh, out yeah. the whole if you go with like the tailspin version and have it not be a hundreds of years of creepy incest ghost and I mean, instead just so. an actual romance but, or, yeah. But, she, you know, that she rejects because she realizes that that's not what she wants. Like, there's just, 
ways this could have been not terrible. I agree, but I think that they started with the idea of a sexy ghost and didn't really interrogate it from there. And that's why there are so many questions. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. They didn't they didn't think I mean, like ooh, let's have it tie into her whole lineage and so so he's been around for all these years and he's been doing this to all of the women. Isn't that a great idea? That's so cool. And it's like uh, no. Why was no, no one? Not. Why did no one say no? That's not cool. And I realize that you know our conversations around rape and consent have really moved on a lot since the nineties. But you know, Brandon Braga also wrote Threshold, the notorious episode of Voyager where uh, Paris goes really fast and turns into a lizard and then has sex with Janeway and they have lizard babies. And the weird thing is that both those episodes came out in January in their respective years, which means they'll probably written around the same time of year. So I wonder what he was up to at that time of year, every year. <laughs> I like this conspiracy theory. I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory. I'm just like, is there a birthday or something that he found very stressful? And that's why he was putting out these weird January scripts. I mean, but the thing about... The, weird, the thing about um, Threshold is that it makes it quite clear that Janeway was an enthusiastic participant in the lizard sex. It may have even been her idea. Yeah. Right. It doesn't take her agency away, even though she's literally a lizard. It doesn't yeah, take yeah. her agency away. And also, like, I mean, I, I, I am on board as I, I'm on record as a huge JP shipper, but like they have a relationship even if it's not a romantic yes. relationship they definitely have a relationship that is very close yes. prior to what happens and so it's not it's not this you know random acting out it makes sense yeah. like it, it the storyline built to that moment well the other thing is like even though threshold as an episode is never spoken of again the character growth that Tom goes through sticks, and it's a really important part of his arc. Yeah. And Beverly, like, a week later, she's giving romantic advice to Nurse Agawa, and no one's like, hey, are you really qualified as an expert in this field? Because I think we, we all know that you have proof that you're not. Yeah, I mean, and that's part of that is that TNG... I mean, this is season seven, and he, season seven was better about remembering things that happened. Yeah. But maybe not as much for the women characters. Definitely not for the women characters. I would say that all of characters. Next Generation, like, inc again, including the movies, was not particularly good about the women retaining things, ground that they took. Yeah. The women and also Geordie. <laughs> and also Geordie. Okay. So that's a great time for me to introduce my idea. Uh, so when someone asked me to what I would have done with the Picard-Crusher relationship if, mm -hmm. uh, if I, you know, if I was in charge, and how would I build the Picard-Crusher relationship as something that actually happened? And so I, yes. I you know, did a little, a little scenario, and, uh, and I said, you know, then, so if they're in a relationship, some of these other episodes are messed up, right? And so right. in that scenario, I said Sub Rosa would be exactly the same Except it would be about Jordy. Yes. And honestly, I think it's a better episode. Like, 
Geordie has a creepy history with women. He is bad at relationships. So if a ghost lady appeared out of a nice candle and said, hey, I'm really into you. He would be totally on board. It would be yeah. in character for Geordie, whereas for Beverly, it is not. Again, she's the person who is always saying, we need to slow down. I need more time. I need yes. to to think about this. Like That is what she's always doing in all of her other previous relationships. So this is completely ridiculous. And because, because it's out of character for her, that means that something changed. And the something that's changed is that mm. she's having great orgasms. And I'm just like not into that. Couldn't she get great orgasms from like something else? Like a holodeck? I just, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I don't think the writers are aware that Beverly is a control freak in her relationships. It's true, because we see it in all of the the episodes where she has them, but I don't know that they paid that much attention. (laughs) You're right. This is another thing where it's like the only reason that the Riker and Troy relationship is so well done is because they forget about it most of the time. Right, and it's just (laughs) Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis doing their thing in the background. And so, so yes, you were absolutely right. The, the, the writers didn't know that they wrote her in a certain way. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, so this episode would be better if it was about Jordy. That's my take. I like it. I agree with it. Uh, yeah. I also think it would be fun, a funnier episode if it was about Picard. <laughs> It'd be hard for it to be about Picard. I know, it wouldn't make any sense. I I, I just... And also, like, he couldn't couldn't do it. He couldn't resign. I mean, it's sort of ridiculous she can, but Picard is, like, literally incapable of of leaving the ship and and abandoning everyone. He does do it in that one other episode, but... We've established that the crew tends to catch on pretty fast when someone is mind-controlling Picard, but apparently they don't pay as much attention to Beverly. Are we surprised? Uh, no. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to chalk this one up to the writers don't know what they're doing. They never knew how to write Beverly correctly. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's just my take. I think your take is correct. I agree with it. It makes me sad, but yeah, yeah. And And also, uh, Jerry Taylor really needs to examine her obsession with these gothic romances. It just never works out, you know? Uh, Truthfully, I feel like Jerry should have examined a lot of things. (laughs) And, And, you know, she frustrates me because she doesn't. But yeah. Yeah. And... Again, I am not. I'm not saying that it's not true that women like romance. Plenty of women do like romance. Right. But not all women like romance, and not all men don't like romance. And so, the and gen- rapey ghosts are not romantic. The gender roles that they're forcing onto this episode is not. I don't like it. I don't like the I don't like the way that it there that it's discussed. No, no. It's it's unpleasant. And we always know that Star Trek is a product of the time in which it's made, but could it be less of a product of the time in which it's made? 
So I feel like we've covered all of our ground and this episode might run a little short, but I think that's okay. Uh, But did you know that this episode will drop my time on the 11th of December and the 12th of December is our first anniversary? Aww. Raise a glass to us. We did it. A whole year. A whole season of Discovery and various other episodes in the meantime. Yeah. And we always uh, have something to say. Even we if do. That probably shouldn't have happened. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, if, if we had to, I could still come up with many minutes of outrage about Kat's death. <laughs> Just one episode. <laughs> which is why, again, which is why I'm like so distraught about Beverly's so far absence. erasure. <laughs> yeah, absence. That's the word. Absence in Picard. My hope is that it's not a case of, I hope that there's a reason for her absence, basically, that she's off doing something really cool with her own ship and just isn't in a position to be roped into Picard's shenanigans. And yeah, I would be okay with that. I I don't want her to be dead. I want her to be doing her own thing and having a good time. Yes. Saving a shit ton of people. But yeah, like her making her grandmother proud. Yeah, yeah, and not having sex with any ghosts. I mean, <laughs> unless unless she's aware of their identity and has consented, and they make her happy, I guess I'd be okay with that. Yeah, you know what? If if the alien ghost candle guy just was upfront and said, "This is my deal," mm. and gave her the option. Right. Instead right. of assaulting her and then saying, wasn't that great? Don't you want more? See, I feel like, you know who would be totally up for consensual knowing sex with a ghost candle? Deanna. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Deanna is a little... She she leans that way, but she, what she, she really wants is security. Yeah... Maybe Dax. Dax, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Dax is down for most things at least once. And I really respect that and enjoy that about her. And that that wouldn't make this episode okay if it was about Dax. (laughs) Because it would still be... Terrible! Generations of... I can't... Okay. Mm. Um, I just... just, You can't think about this episode too much... It will hurt you. I think one we have way or another. Amply demonstrated <laughs> that this week. So okay. <laughs> Happy holidays, everyone. Woo! <laughs> Thank you for listening to Antimatter Pod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @antimatterpod. Sometimes we post cat pictures and questions for our audience. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us and tell your friends. And join us in two weeks for our last episode of 2019, exploring the character of Jean-Luc Picard. Yay, I'm looking forward to this one. Me too. My flatmate said something truly insightful and I can't wait to repeat it and claim credit for it. Woo!
I, I feel like I'm gonna do that with my brother's work, so. High five! Awesome! <laughs>